In today's programme, we visit a home that's kept warm by a heat pump. You're listening to The Science Show on Cambridge 105. In this section called Scientists at Work, we talk to people who, for some reason or another, find themselves working, researching or thinking about science in Cambridge, England. You're listening to Nicola Terry with Roger Frost. And reminded by how cold it is outside today, we're going to have a look at another way of heating a house. Nicola. Yes, in our last show, Ray Galvin explained how we lose heat from our homes. And then we got talking about alternative ways to put heat in. One option is to use a heat pump instead of a central heating boiler. The pump pulls in heat from the air outside. To see it working in practice, um, Nicola went to visit David Crowther, who lives in a lovely Grade 2 listed house in central Cambridge. He's a retired building scientist, so he's a braver person than me to go fit new technology to a Victorian terraced house. Nicola started by asking him to describe where he'd installed his heat pump. Okay, well, there are two parts to a heat pump. The external part is, well, in my case, it's on the roof of our garage, and the internal part is down in our basement. The external part does the extraction of heat from the outside, and it uses a fluid just like a a fridge does, a refrigerant, which goes back and forth in, in insulated pipe from the external to the internal unit. The internal unit then concentrates that and heats the water which goes into the underfloor heating. So you have an underfloor heating system, not normal radiators? Yes, it's particularly suitable for underfloor heating because with underfloor heating you don't need the water to be as hot. Well, you don't get such high temperatures with the body. Exactly, you mm-hmm. don't. With, with a radiator you, you need something like 55 degrees, but with underfloor heating 45 is the design temperature, that's all you need. I must say that the floor doesn't actually feel very warm. Well, through the pipes it's it's, uh, 45, but it's quite surprising how it's only tepid. It's it's not at all warm. But, I mean, if you leave a a box on the floor for any length of time and then pick it up, it's quite surprising how warm and even hot it is on the underside. But just to feel it um, now, if you put your hand down. I see that you've got two parts of the floor here. You've got the wooden floor in the living room and then you've got the the tiles in in the conservatory. Is that all underfloor heating then? Yes, it's all underfloor heating. And indeed, the wooden floor is a suspended floor. There's a whole floor underneath. And there are two ways of of doing that. One is to have the pipes on aluminium trays. But in my case, I've buried the pipes in kiln-dried sand. This was partly because I wanted to improve the soundproofing of the basement and the living room area and also I like the idea of having high thermal mass which suits our lifestyle because we're a retired couple. So Uh, can you you explain what thermal mass means? Thermal mass means that once it's heated up it stays at that temperature for a long time and takes a long time to cool so it's not quick response in that sense so it perhaps wouldn't suit a a couple who had no children and went out to work every day. So do you have the heating on all the time then? Uh, No we don't have to because once you've um, given it a boost it will stay at that temperature for quite a while before it needs another little boost to keep it up to that temperature. Do do you have underfloor heating in the whole house or just on this floor? Uh, Almost all the whole house. The the main room in the basement had a very nice old hardwood floor which we didn't want to take up. So there we have uh, perimeter skirting heating and oversized radiators under the windows. What does that mean by oversized radiators? Well, 
it's to compensate for the fact that instead of being 55 degrees, which is what radiators normally um, work at, it's only at 45, they have to be larger. Are they enormous then? Will you show me? Uh, I'll show you, yes. Yeah, well, well you, you let me walk around the house in a bit and, and you'll yeah, show me these things. Yeah. That'd be super. Before yeah. we do that, is there anything else that you did to the house? Very importantly, yes, we improved the insulation. In fact, um, heat pumps and underfloor heating really need to be considered together with improving the insulation of, of your house. And remember, this is a Victorian terrace house with um, nine-inch brick walls with not very good insulation at all and single glazing. So what we did was to improve the walls by adding insulated plasterboard on the inside very efficiently. Even though they're only 27mm thick, the insulated uh, plaster, out with an air gap and the skim coat that comes to about 32mm that you're adding to the inside of, of your wall. Only 30mm? Because mm. uh, we had someone on last time told us that we needed 100mm on the walls. Well, ideally... If you could manage that, that would be very good. But in our case, we couldn't do that. In fact, um, the conservation officer wouldn't have allowed us to change the interior that much. But with uh, modern materials, you can get perhaps not as good as if you were um, building the house new, but I more than halved the heat loss through the wall by just adding the 27mm thermoline insulated plasterboard. But in addition, we also got permission to uh, replace the single pane of glass with a very thin... Yeah, so that's in these windows here, is it? The sash windows at the front? Yes. So we replaced the single glazing with a very efficient, thin double glazing within the same window frames. When you say very thin, how thin? Uh, 10 millimetres. So how, how does that work then? Does, is there some kind of special gas or something? Yes. Instead of argon... It has krypton and xenon inside um, the cavity, which is very, they're very expensive, but very thermally efficient, which means the cavity is very thin, and therefore it makes economic sense, because you don't need as much of it. I'm standing at the back of the house now, looking through the door at the back, and I can see, well, that looks like an air conditioning unit, isn't it? It isn't very big, is it? I mean, it's kind of hiding behind that tray. Yes, and eventually I hope to have it installed inside the roof of the garage when that's replaced. But it's a bit of an eyesore in, in the winter when it's not hidden by the tree. Well, it's good for me because I can see it now. And I can see those, those big pipes. Um, they, they look very fat. Is that just the insulation? Yes. In fact, it, funnily enough, the temperature in, of the fluid inside them is not a lot different from temperature of the air outside. So although it's obviously a good idea to have insulation, it's not as necessary as if it was, you know, 45 degrees and minus 10 outside. Okay. I'm going down into the basement now. I think okay. David is turning the light on so I can see where I'm going. Okay, so we're, we're in a little shower room here and it Honestly, it looks like a boiler. Um, yes, it yes. looks like bigger than an, a modern boiler, but smaller than an old-fashioned boiler, probably. Yes, it is. And what have we done here? Skirting system, how does that work? It's made of aluminium. You, I'm, I'm tapping it. Um, and in the aluminium, it has a flow and return pipe built into it, and then you have special connections at corners. So aluminium is just the surface that radiates very well, isn't that? Yes. Similar to the actual radiator. And Yes, but this exactly. is just really is just skirting, slightly thicker than, not slightly thicker, thicker than, than normal, normal maybe, and it's got two two pipes running through it as a flow and return, and they're not particularly big pipes. And let me just feel. Oh yes, I, I can feel that that's warm. It's not. Yes. It's not, not massively warm. warm, but it's warmer than the floor upstairs felt. 
Well, it is more concentrated than the floor. I mean, this is what I've learnt from this project, that the the surface heat, if you have it evenly spread everywhere, is really not very hot at all, but it's still producing a very pleasant air to, to, to live in. It sounds like you really like this house now. Are you pleased with the system? Yes, we are. Do you have any idea how much savings you've had? Well, there are two things. Uh, reducing the heat loss, uh, I estimate that it's going to be at least 40% less heat loss. And then there's the efficiency of the heat-producing system itself. And I have to wait until I can compare like with like, uh, which I can't do at the moment. But uh, it, certainly our electricity bills are a lot less than they were before with the old system. Well, hmm. I'm feeling warm already. Nicola, was this house that you went to really warm? Oh, yeah. The floor wasn't obviously warm, like a radiator, but that's because it's not highly conductive, so when you touch it, you know, it just doesn't feel like that hot. But the large area offsets the lower temperature, so it works very well. Uh, there was another thing I thought was interesting, which is heated skirting. I mean, what's that? Well, it was just like normal wooden skirting except it was a metal and it had these pipes running through it with the hot stuff. So it, it was a bit shiny and it didn't have the fancy shaping you get on Victorian skirting board. I, I could see the pipes going through it, but only at the corner of the room where they came out of one panel and curved around to the next. That bit wasn't finished off properly. He hasn't really quite finished the house. And overall, was it worthwhile? Do you think heat pumps save money? Well, it certainly did for him. The Energy Saving Trust reported recently that, on average, they cost about the same as a gas system to run, but some installations were better and, and some were worse. That's pretty much all for today's show. Scientists at Work is made by the Science Show team on Community Radio, Cambridge 105. You can also find past episodes on the website, www.cambridge105.fm. You can also subscribe to future podcasts with the iTunes store. You can get in touch with us on the email science at cambridge105.fm or on Twitter at 105science. Till next time, it's bye from the Science Show team of Roger Frost and Chris Crease. You're listening to The Science Show on Cambridge 105. <laughs>